you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Coming up next on Huddle and Flow. I know how Taysom is as a quarterback. I know how I am as a quarterback. But I believe us going against each other, well, I don't know how to, uh, you know, how they going to do the reps and stuff like that. You know, I, I just know I, I, I'm ready to play. And I know it's going to push us both to an elite level. And you saw with Drew and Taysom how, um, how tough it made teams to plan for the Saints when you had another quarterback that was able uh, to do the things that Taysom, Taysom does. But when we talk about, when we talk about, the competitiveness part, Steve, like, it's just ball. Like, that's that's how my mentality is. I'm just focused on ball and how I'm going to get this offense, how I'm going to master this offense, and how are we going to win games. Like, that, that is it. That's next on Huddle and Flow. All right, welcome to another edition of the Huddle and Flow podcast brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of QuickBooks, TurboTax, and Mint. I am Steve White with my brother Jim Trotter. We are two-thirds of the Howard University mob. Our producer, Thomas Warren, on the ones and twos, he completes the puzzle. Jim, we've got a really excellent show today. Uh, We've got Jameis Winston, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints on. And we want to get him on a little bit because there's just so many interesting things about his story that we want to just you know find out about and enlighten ourselves and the audience too. Yeah, and you know, Jameis uh it seems like he's been around forever, but it's only what he's entering his seventh year. Um maybe it's going back to knowing him from college playing so early there and whatnot. But you know, I've always found him to be a fascinating guy. And in some ways, I'm curious I, you know, I really want to hear from him about how teams view him the fact that you could be a number one overall pick the fact that you could throw for 5100 yards 
and 33 touchdowns, and yet only several teams even reach out to you in free agency because you also threw 30 picks that year. There's a lot of talent there, and you would have to think that that um, there should have been a broader market for him than just three teams reaching out to him. Yeah, and we heard Sean Payton, the Saints coach, on the podcast a couple months ago tell us about that talent of Jameis Winston. And also, you know, look, we're going to talk to him about being the man for his whole life, and now all of a sudden having him on scout team offense. I mean, that's that's a huge, huge change. But, Jim, since we're talking about quarterbacks, and we'll hit that with Jameis in just a minute, things are really perking up, you know, with, with this quarterback market, especially as we're getting closer to the draft. We saw the Niners make the huge trade Friday, moving from 12 to 3. You make that move to draft a quarterback. I was at Zach Wilson's pro day at BYU. And so John Lynch was there and, you know, we spoke about this and he said, look, the first phone call we made was to Jimmy Garoppolo saying, Jimmy, you're still going to be our guy. You're still in our plans. Uh, I, 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 I can't take that one to the bank there, Jim. I can't see how you're going to trade up from 12 to three, knowing the expectation of a quarterback taking third overall. Jimmy is not Aaron Rodgers, right? This is not Jordan Love. And Aaron Rodgers here. I, I think Jimmy is gone before the draft, and whether it be Trey Lance or whether it be Justin Fields, that's who the Niners are going to rock with at their quarterback in 2021. I'll say this to you, Steve. I, I, I would not be shocked if Jimmy were gone before the draft, but I also would not be shocked if he were still around before the draft. Look, the reality is we know Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. The expectation is that, that Zach Wilson is going to go number two to the Jets. So now you say at number three, who will it be? There is a belief among many scouts that I talk to that both Justin Fields and Trey Lance um, need a little development time. And for these people who say that Mac Jones uh, from Alabama will go number three, that's not what I'm hearing. Um, and Kyle understands where the game is going. Um, go back and listen to his press conference after the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen beat them last season and what he had to say about Josh Allen there. When you have an opportunity to get a quarterback who is a dual-thread guy who can move and throw well off of the move, which is critical, um, that was not Mac Jones' game in terms of throwing off the move outside the pocket. So I don't see the, the marriage that some are talking about there. Um, but what it tells you is that whoever it is, the 49ers strongly believe, and I shouldn't say the 49ers, I should say Kyle Shanahan, strongly believes that this is a player who can lead this team for the next decade or more. And otherwise you don't make this deal. You don't give up, you don't swap ones and, and give up two number ones and a three. Um, if you don't believe that. And for those who try and say, they think, well, maybe he's going to get the top defensive guy or an offensive tackle. No. You, don't, you don't make that kind of deal. No. You, don't you don't come from that far back to that far up to basically but, try to, leapfrog all these other teams are going to try to get up to take a quarterback to take a detail. You hear this crazy stuff during this time of year. And this is why I have to stay off social media a little bit because <laughs> the stuff is just absurd. And I, and I get that it's draft time and people, there's so much interest in this, but some of the stuff that gets thrown out there, you're just like, where is this coming from? You know, oh, just, and just wait, Jim, we got, we got almost a full, another month, almost a full month for more of it to happen. So it's, it's going to be a whole lot of, uh, you know, stuff up against the wall by who flung do, um, you know, coming up all over the place. Well, we're going to talk to these quarterbacks with Jameis Winston. And, you know, it's, it's 
I'm so eager because I've always found it fascinating, Jim. Like you said, just a fascinating dude. Um, who, I, who I'm really hoping for. You know, I really would love to see a quarterback go through what he's gone through to find his traction again, kind of like how Ryan Tannehill did in Tennessee, and we see how great of a story that is and how he was able to cash in and to make the Titans a, a perennial playoff contender. So on that note, Jim, let's go ahead and bring in our special guest, Jameis Winston. All right, JT, now we are joined by our special guest, Jameis Winston. Jameis, welcome to the Huddle and Flow podcast. Hey, Steve, Jim, blessed, blessed to be on here with you guys. Good to see you, man. How's life? Yeah. It's great. Uh, today, uh, I woke up to take my, my son to school. Uh, he had the little sniffle, so they said we can't bring him in. So uh, I enjoyed uh, doing the, the early hours of school with my son. Hey, he, now he knows, though, if he doesn't want to go to class, he's going <laughs> <laughs> to. That, that won't that won't happen. That won't happen because I know he enjoys the playground. We're we're doing workouts. We're doing soccer. We're doing football stuff back there. So I, I'm pretty sure he, he, he enjoys playing with the other kids more. <laughs> <laughs> James, tell us what life is like now that it's uh, it's official. You're going to have an opportunity now to compete for that starting job in New Orleans. Uh, it's It's just back to, to, to that hunger. Uh, I think that's the, that's the main part. Um, it's so much comes with being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and you know, that opportunity got taken away from me, uh, last year. So I had a place of humility, got a chance to learn from Drew and, uh, this league is, is very few in between where you get another opportunity like this. So I'm just grateful, uh, that I get that. And, and I'm doing my, my very best to prepare and, uh, make the most of it. You know, it's interesting you say it got taken away from you last year. Why do you think that is? I mean, you're coming off a season where you threw for 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns. Why was there not more of a market for Jameis? Well, it was the it was the interceptions. Uh, uh, and, and that's how I see it from um, just a competitive part, you know, from a team-oriented part, uh, just the turnovers. And uh, teams have to believe that they, that they can trust you. Uh, and I've been at that organization, Tampa, uh, for a good minute, uh, developed great friends there in that building, uh, inside and outside, you know, in the community. But when you turn the football over and you're not winning games, um, they, they find a way to get you out of there. I'm curious, James, from that standpoint, <laughs> 5,100 yards and 33 touchdowns is a lot, even if you got 30 picks. I mean, mm. for you, number one pick, five years in Tampa, how many teams actually approached you that offseason? Man, last offseason? Yeah. Man, I, I can probably count on three fingers, and that and that's it. You know, uh, the Saints were really the only team to, to come at me with actually a legitimate offer. Every other team uh, wanted me to wait, uh, wanted to see how, uh, you know, how the draft was. Uh, the Saints were the only team to uh, really, Sean, when Sean called me and said, hey, man, hey, we, we believe in you. I mean, I know it ain't much. We can't give you much, but uh that's it says a lot and i was like you you're right coach that's, that does say a lot uh so i mean soon as soon as they called i was like man i, I, I want an opportunity um i know i'm a, i'm a, i'm a find a way i'm gonna work my way back up to being a starting quarterback uh, i believe that this is the best fit uh for it to be like i didn't oppose uh standing standing in tampa if that was an option uh to learn from brady uh but but getting a chance to go right down the road 
uh, being a city like New Orleans, um, I, I guess three more three hours closer to home. Uh, but I, that that really doesn't make a difference. Uh, it just it just felt great to know that a team uh, wanted me to be their quarterback. So uh, I had to definitely go with them. You know, I'm curious. You used the you used the word humility, and I'm wondering how humbling was that, and was there a part of you that was even angry that so few teams were were interested? You know, I, I was I was angrier angrier at myself uh, for basically put myself in this situation, uh, I believe, because I know uh, that I could play quarterback at a high level. Uh, and I just felt like last season was such like an anomaly. Like, it's just like I didn't know what was what was going on at times. Like, this year, last year, like, I watched my turnover tape uh, over the past five years just over and over and over. And that year just stood out to me. Uh, and, and it may have been because of the new offense. It, it may because I was trying to go out there and prove. It may because I was pr- playing for a lot. But uh, it just – it still puzzles me to this day. And all I'm trying to do is, is focus on eliminating that. And uh, and what I came up with is it's a lot of plays that um, – in the course of a, being an NFL quarterback, there are a lot of plays where when you have talent, you say, I can do this, I can do that. But really learning how to manage the game – I never wanted to be deemed a game management manager. You know what I'm saying? People always call me a gunslinger. You know, in high school, they even call me a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, but I always view myself as a pocket passer uh, and a guy that can stretch the ball down the field. Uh, but really, that game management is not a bad piece. Uh, that's something that I think just comes with being a professional quarterback, uh, being able to not just only do the things that you can do, but being able to do the things that you should not do, like what not to do versus what can I do. So in, in, in the season that you spent under Sean and, and learning from Drew, did you see that aspect of your game change? Even though it was only in those, you know, the, the partial game that you got to playing in in practice, did you feel anything different about your game saying the turnovers are going away because I'm doing this better? Just decisions. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, hey, uh, like because I'm a competitive guy. Like it wasn't. Hey, I'm about to go over there and go at Marshawn Lattimore five times in a row just because that's Marshawn Lattimore and I got Mike Mike Thomas, right? And I'm trying to put fear in Marshawn Lattimore's heart. But it was no, just a decision. Was it the right decision? Like watching practice, watching Drew. Uh, did Drew make the right decision? Uh, and over a course of time, those things add up. And that's what one of the biggest things I learned from him is, hey, James, we're going to be decision-oriented. Like, we're not being result-oriented. Result like, because when you get result-oriented, you're always looking for that big play. You're always looking for that that big bang, whereas decision-oriented, uh, a right decision could be taking a sack. A right decision could be throwing the ball away. Uh, if we play the game, uh, just making making sure throughout the course of the whole the entire game, not just uh, the first quarter, not just the second quarter, not just the third quarter, but throughout the entire game, every minute, we make the right decisions. Uh, we'll put our team up in a in a better position to win a football game. That that's interesting because I've I've never heard that you know because we say this is a results oriented business and you're saying you learned this is a decision oriented process that you were going through. Had you heard that before? Because I mean, I frankly had not. We've about making good decisions, but it's always results oriented that's pushed to us. Steve, I, I I've never I've never really heard that. You know, uh, I think I was took from that because I'm like I mean you you say we we're not making decisions based on results but look at your numbers Drew like it ain't like you putting on baby numbers like you you a top five quarterback every year like 
you know, but he, he went like, he's like, it's because of decisions. Like they like, and I saw it like this, the team trusts him, right? Sean trusts him, right? If, if Sean makes a bad play, play call, he trusts that Drew's going to, you know, make it better. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think that's, that's a, that's a huge part of just playing a game is when you got a quarterback and you got a coach and they trust each other, that allows a lot of other stuff to, to, to happen, to roll the way that it should. You know, James, this may sound silly, but I'm wondering, did you learn more in one year under Sean and Drew than you did in five years in Tampa? Uh, I, I think I learned – the reason I learned so much uh, from Drew and Sean is because my focus was on learning from Sean and Drew. Uh, over the past – over the course of my other – like, my focus was on being uh, the starting quarterback, leading the team. Uh, so I've learned different things from a, a leadership style, and I learned different things about myself over the course of my six, six year career, but I've learned so much just from the quarterback position of being able to watch Drew work, watch Drew communicate with Sean. Like that's one, one big thing that I, I really uh, believe that I didn't do a, a good enough job with my other coordinators and my coaches was communicating to them, being able to, to bring them actually what, what I like, you know, having, having coaches being receptive to, you coming in with a play and us actually putting that thing in, you know, and just seeing how that continuity uh, was built in that organization with, with Sean and Drew, uh, it, it just was, it was exciting. It was exciting to see uh, that type of relationship because that's the type of relationship uh, that, that I want with my coordinator and, and my head coach. You know, one thing I know about Bruce Arians is that he's tough to play for, man, particularly early and particularly on quarterbacks. For you, what was that relationship like? And because what I've always heard from folks is with BA, you got to earn his trust to become a BA guy. What was it like playing right. under him? Man, it was actually my last my last year at Tampa was one of my funnest years uh, in that city with that organization. Uh, and mainly because BA, like BA, is very outspoken, but you know he he is who he is, and I've. Uh, known BA since I was 13 years old. So I've known him for a while uh, just because uh, his his time spent in Birmingham. But I enjoyed playing for him. I really enjoyed working with uh, Byron Leftwich and Clyde Christensen. Uh, I felt like that I learned so much from them. Uh, and that was the first time where I actually got a chance to, to, to feel comfortable with my offensive coordinator in terms of being able to have like these type of conversations with them. Right. I think Byron helped me open that door into really, hey man, I need to, I need to really be able to communicate with my OC, my quarterback coach, to let them know uh, that this is what I want, not necessarily like just looking at the offensive coordinator, like, hey, why, why do we have this in this week? Like, uh, I, I really don't want that. Let's scratch that instead of being like, hey, okay, I'm good with everything, just because it's like a, like I know I can do everything, but some stuff you just don't need to do, like some stuff. You, you, you look at a game plan, you're just like, I don't want to run that. Like, why don't you run them? Well, because I threw a pick on this same play two games ago. Like, I don't want to run that play. So being able to just process and eliminate uh, for yourself, but being able to have a cordial relationship with your OC, with your quarterback coach, to tell them exactly what you want. And I think that 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 came from a maturation process, uh, and that came from just a comfort process with Clyde Christian and, and Byron just being able to, to be open with them. So I think that's one thing that BA did bring to that organization is just that uh, that that openness. Like, hey, we're going to talk, we're going to communicate uh, with you a little bit because I need to know what you, you guys need for us to be successful. 
And I definitely saw that uh, as the year went on with our team, even uh, my, my last year at Tampa, just how like people we were really grasping on to, to B.A.'s way um, and, and going out there and executing. Jameis, I'm curious about this. There's a saying, you don't want to be the man to follow the man. And yet in New Orleans, you're the man who's following the man. Is there <laughs> is that pressure? A burden? What well, is it? I, well, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of responsibility that comes with that because uh, Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks to play this game. Not just New Orleans' best quarterback of all time; he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to play this game. Uh, so it's a lot of responsibility that comes comes with that. Um, but I'm excited and I embrace that challenge, uh, being able to uh, have the opportunity to compete for that torch. Uh, and you better believe I'm I gotta get that. Like my my family know I gotta get that torch. Uh, I'm doing everything I can uh, to get that torch. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited for that. But, man, like, Jim, one thing, I, if I ain't learned nothing, I, I know that it's all about my process. It's a day-to-day thing. What I'm doing today is going to translate to what I'm doing uh, in August, September, for the remainder of uh, the football season. So I'm just taking it day by day and uh, applying myself so that I'm ready uh, when it's time to roll. Jim, I know, I know we're talking about replacing Drew now, but Sean – was on the podcast a couple months ago. And he said part of the recruiting pitch that they gave to you is like, yeah, maybe we don't have the money, but where else you can have an opportunity to possibly step in for a quarterback in his last year. I mean, did you start thinking, okay, this is it for Drew? Did you think, okay, I can replace him and be the starter and get my starting job back? Or, okay, this is really going to be a, a challenging year knowing that I've got to work to possibly replace a legend. Right. Well, one of the biggest things for me in, in making this decision, I feel like this is the first time where I felt like um, kind of like it was college um, where the money didn't matter. It's where did you want to go? You know, who had the best organization, who had the best defense, who had the best offense, who had the best scheme uh, for you? And I think New Orleans just hits all, hit all those. One, you know, they're a division opponent. I've seen this defense over and over again. And this is a defense that I that has given me trouble in the past. Two, I get to stay in the same division where I didn't see these same type players, these same type coaches, right? So now I, I've already been playing te- these teams twice a year. Uh, so why why get out of that division and, 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 you know, get something new? I know new head coaches and stuff like that, but uh, that play, played a, a big role in, in case I had to come in and step in for Drew if Drew, if something like Drew went down last year, right? <laughs> And, I, and it, it would have been an easier transition coming into that division, seeing the same teams, like, because I know how to win that division. I know how to play teams in that division. Um, but being with being with Sean, like, obviously when you got a, a, a elite play caller like he is an elite head coach, like, shoot, him and Bill Belichick go at it every year, you know, for who's the best coach in the league, right? And, and we got a, a bunch of other great coaches too, but historically Sean – like Sean, it was Sean, Marvin Lewis, and Bill Belichick, like the longest tenured coaches for their team. So uh, he's been doing it for for a good minute with the Saints. Uh, so yeah, I think it was it was a it was a mixture of everything. Uh, the, one, my infatuation and obsession with you know how can I experience that continuity? How do I get to 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 see how it really is supposed to work in the NFL instead of like having these year in and year outs uh, coordinators a year in year outs. Uh, you know, coaches like I want, I want, I want someone that's I want to be somewhere so I can see how it's supposed to be, and now I know how to implement that throughout the rest of my career. 
How was it also dealing with the situation? Because Sean said, okay, he's talking about if Drew got hurt in the middle of a game, you were going to go in, which we saw happen. But he made a promise to Taysom that he was going to get the first opportunity to start if Drew was going to be out for multiple games. How was it dealing with that saying that, hey, man, in practice, I still might be doing it, this and that, but this was a promise that was made to Taysom, and I just have to live with it and kind of go with it from there. Yeah, when it comes to the promise they made to Taysom, like, like I'm not that's none of my business, right? Like I he he made that decision to taste him before I even got there. Right. So like y- y'all handle y'all stuff, but when it comes to my preparation, I'm just like I'm I'm ready every week, you know, because I I, I know one thing I, I know what it is to prepare for a game, right? So I think that I it was good that I brought that to the team, really. You know, I understood like I understood how Drew's schedule worked, I understood how Taysom's schedule worked when he was the uh starting quarterback. Uh, I was able to, you know, lend a helping hand, serve them in any way that they could. But I also knew that I had my my routine. I, already, I knew how I was going to prepare and approach this week as well. Uh, I think it just was great uh, to be able to to watch Drew prepare, to get to actually be in some sessions with Drew, to see how he kind of viewed the game, to see how he thought the team was going to attack us or how were we going to attack uh, our opponent. So I, I thought that was very eye-opening. Uh, just to see, because I, I, I would have thought that you know that he was you know in there from four o'clock in the morning uh, to you know ten o'clock at night. Uh, but he really just showed me how efficient he was in everything that he did, everything that he did. Whether he was you know having his business calls, whether he was watching film, whether he was watching situational film, whether you know he had some some uh, PR to do with with with, with the team, like it, just everything he did was like clockwork. Right. And and this and these are the things that he's talking about in terms of decisions, like every decision that he's making throughout the day is adding up to the ultimate result that he's going to want at the end of the day. Right. So I'm seeing this in full motion, not trying to do it my own way, because I'm I've been thrown into this. I, I was the, the young prodigy, the number one draft pick. So I'm learning how to do this. Right. I'm trying to trying to grasp some other veterans. Uh, like Jerry McCoy, Vincent Jackson, Clint McDonald, Lewis Murphy, trying to get their routines and see, like, hey, how do you guys take care of your body? How do you guys do this? How do you watch film? You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But now I'm with a quarterback that's showing me the way, right? So I'm just sitting back. I'm listening, and I'm just like, hey, uh, this is something that I like that Drew does. Okay, I'm going to take that, right? But if it's something that I know that I wouldn't do, I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I still have to be Jameis Winston. James, what's the most important lesson you learned from Drew? It it, it goes to the decisions. Um, it's we making plays based off the decision and not the result. <laughs> and 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 I, and I go back to that because me, the player that I that I am, that I've always been, was this this player. Like I try to light the scoreboard up. Like I, I want I want to dominate the the opponent. Uh, and and that's just how I play. But it's a time and a place for that, right? One thing that I learned just, uh, we were, the first time I realized like how Drew was so decision-oriented, we, we played we played Oakland um, and we went to Oakland, went to Vegas the first game uh, in Vegas and, and we got beat. And, you know, I was on the sideline, you know, because I, everyone hates losing, so I ain't gonna say that. But I'm on the sideline, we're on two minute drill, we down by two scores and I'm just like, like we got to push the ball down the field. Like we got to move the ball. Like let's take some chances. Like now is the time. I know we've been, we've been decisions, decisions, but when we're losing, like let's start moving the ball down the field. Let's take some chances. And Drew just was, he was just doing his job. He was just doing his job. Right. And 
I was just like, man, like, why didn't like why didn't he do this? Right. And he was just like, man, I, I got my job to do, right? My job is to put us in the best chance to win the game. Like if I get out of my element and try doing things that I know that I'm not gonna do, uh, or uh, things that I know that's not me, then I'm not being me and I'm not being the, the best player that I can be for this team. So I just have to do what I have to do. Everything else it'll handle itself. And that was the first time, like it was a loss. And I was just like, I mean, well, did we want to lose? Like, are we trying to come back? But, you know, but understanding, like, this is a part of the game, right? This game didn't go our way. Like, I'm I'm just like, hey, every game got to go our way. Like, what Like, what? What are we talking about? But learning that from him, seeing that side, like, hey, it's two-minute drill. We're down by two scores. And this man, he, he just taking what the defense is giving him. It was unique for me. I was just like, because we're trying to win. So That's that, was, that was an experience. That's yeah. real interesting to hear. I'm I'm interested in in we've got four quarterbacks potentially five they're saying that could be drafted in the first round this year. What does Jameis Winston know now that he wish he had known coming into this league as a number one pick overall? What would you tell them if you were to sit down with them today? I I, I would tell them, you know, be the best quarterback that you can be, and what I mean by that is, we spent our entire life. Well, I spent my entire life, you know, wanting to be a professional football player. And I played quarterback for the majority of that time in this sport. Once you get to the NFL, now it's, hey, we got this marketing thing for you. Hey, let's we got this community for you. Hey, we got this event over here for you where you you, you're throwing so many different ways. You're trying to be the best at everything that you're doing. But you understand, like being the best quarterback at that given time is going to allow me a better platform for everything else. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I came into Tampa with the, the, the mindset that I, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let this, this, this community, uh, you know, take me in. I'm going to give everything I got to this community and, you know, football take care of itself, you know, like that's just, but you see, once you add those other things, whether it's the time, whether it's the money, whether it's the, you know, different other voices that's in your life, when they come in, you see how football starts weeding out little by little. And you're just like, man, I've been preparing for this my whole my whole life. I think I'm busy because I got all this other stuff going on, but my focus needs to be on football. So I'll tell the young guys, let's focus on football. Like, that's why I'll tell myself, man, all like, yes, it's great that the community, the community work is superb. Like, that's just your heart. You're going to go do that regardless, right? Because you want to help the people uh, in the community. But we have to – being a great football player is going to keep you in the community. It's going to keep putting that team – allowing that team to put you out there, right? Like, your individual platform, like, I can go back to Bestman. They always going to know who, who I am because I'm from that city. So I'm always – can, can do stuff in my community. But this team, yeah, they want you, they want to be able to, to, you know, promote you in the community stuff, but they actually want to be able to promote you as we're winning games with this guy. This guy is, is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So I would tell the young guys, man, focus on being the best quarterback that you can be. Learn, learn, learn how to be a perfectionist in that before you start adding these little nicks and knacks to your schedule that you don't know is taken away from that energy. I put so much energy into everything because I'm a high energy person. I'm trying to give everybody 100%. But – it's also comes to a point where you have to focus on what got you there, 
you have to focus on what is what is the bell cow like what is making all this stuff go and that's because i'm james winston the quarterback not because i'm james winston the philanthropist not because i'm james winston going kissing babies at church it's because you're on the football field and you're executing and that allows you an even larger platform to go and do all those things that from the bottom of your heart that you're going to do anyway but, but we so, know you're always going to make time for huddle and flow right <laughs> absolutely man yeah absolutely yeah. hey so so james tell me this because you know there, there's the, there's the big conversation going on you know with nflpa saying hey the offseason needs to be virtual and other people say, hey, we need to get these guys on the field if there's all the medical clearance and things like that. With you competing with Taysom for a starting job, would you prefer to have the on-field OTAs in many camps as opposed to doing this virtually? Uh, yeah, you know, as a, as a football player in general, you know, as an athlete in general, I think we all enjoy, uh, well, the majority of us uh, all enjoy being around <laughs> our teammates uh, you know, during this time, but obviously this is, this is not, the, the, these times aren't really normal, right? So we have to respect uh, everything that's happening with the vaccinations, uh, every, all the protocols that, that it takes with, uh, with COVID. Um, like I said, I'm dealing like with that with my son, like my, my son has had COVID and he just has a runny nose. Like, like last week was his first week of school and they kicking him out of school. I'm just like, he didn't get that on his own. Like he got it from some kid in the building. So uh, we just have to be ready for anything. But me, I want to be there with my team. I want to really hone in, get around these coaches. I really want to get with um, with Sean and um, and Pete and just hone in on this on this offense. One second, guys, please. I'm sorry. It's all right. That's real life. That's that's yeah. awesome. No, somebody <laughs> wants daddy. I love that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Man, I got two, y'all. So my my newborn, he was napping. So, but he he just woke up. So, mommy, mama with him. No, it's, you know what, James this is a perfect segue. Um, first of all, congratulations! Recently celebrated your one year wedding anniversary, and I'm wondering how does how does married life, family life, how has it helped you? What impact has it had on you at this point? Well, it it's helped me a lot, especially man. That's like last year, I say last year was humbling because last year was, was humbling for a lot of us. Uh, you know, when, when you have a, a nationwide uh, pandemic, you know, it's just, I mean, not nationwide, but a global pandemic. It's, it's tough on everybody. And it was tough uh, on, on me and Bree, but not able to have our family here. Like I got a wife, she got a newborn, she pregnant, and I got a, a two-year-old. We, we, we don't have our family. We're in New Orleans. We're in this new city. Uh, and we, well, we're in New Orleans, so we, we know, okay, at least we're going to be straight on food. But we're like, we don't know where we're going to go to eat. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know where we're going to find the stuff at. So that was just me and her one-on-one. It allowed us to ignore all the noise, all the outside noise that was coming in uh, that, that she may have been listening to or that I may have been listening to. Like, that was eliminated because we weren't allowed to be around those people. It was only us, us and our kids. So it showed me the importance of making sure that I have things straight with my household. From a visual standpoint, that kind of reminds you like, of the quarterback. Like It helps me when I go in the building, like, hey, I got to focus on this. Because at the end of the day, I know I have a whole nother team that I got to go back and be the top notch for them. I got to be a dad. I got to be the best 
man and father that I possibly can be because now it's it's bigger than me. It's way bigger than me. Uh, it's it's not now. It's not about making money by throwing touchdowns or uh, being benched for throwing interceptions. What's important is what we're actually giving our mind to, our family, our faith, right? Making sure that I that 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 I I give the glory to God first in the morning, like that. That that is bar none. I have to do that, right? So I can be able to set the foundation right for my family, and then. Like, how am I going to be able to set the foundation right for this organization that's allowing me to be the quarterback? When you're the CEO of, of, a, of an organization, everybody, all eyes are on you. When you're the dad, when you're the man of a household, all eyes are on you, right? My, my son, my son not going to be looking for his mama every given moment. When he, when, when he look, he's with her all the time. He's looking for daddy. Where is daddy at as an as a NFL organization? Like, where's my quarterback at? Like we're looking for like every every year in the draft, uh, a team is looking for a quarterback because that's their CEO. That's who they're entrusting their organization in with. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, 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 I, I think it just it, it just put th- puts things in, in perspective. And, uh, and I'm I'm blessed that uh, that I have more eyes looking at me from a family perspective to help me be a better quarterback. Because one of my, my trainer, he says it all the time. He said, hey, hey, hey Jameis. Uh, being a better quarterback won't make you a better man, but being a better man will make you a better quarterback. And uh, and I and I and I know I'm a testament to that. You know, when you talk about starting each morning giving your glory to God, is is there a particular um, scripture that you like to start the day with? Well, no, I, I read a proverb. I, I read a proverb every day, and I read a psalm every day. Um, right now, I'm just scrolling through the the, the Old Testament. Uh, I'm actually in Leviticus. And that's very uh, focuses on details of the tabernacle, uh, so I'm I'm just focused on that. But I try to try to spend fifteen to thirty minutes every morning as soon as I wake up outside, uh, just you know, just uh, in the Bible studying. Uh, but I'm, I'm but I'm most likely I'm gonna read a proverb a day, uh, and I and I'm gonna read a psalm a day. My favorite verse is I can do all things through Christ, uh, which strengthens me, and that's Philippians four thirteen, uh, and that's, that's probably a lot of people's. Uh, favorite verse, um, but I, I really believe in that. James, I wanted since you know to change gears just a little bit since we're we're in this season, so to speak. Um, we found out this weekend that Trevor Lawrence, the the presumptive number one pick, is not going to go to the draft. And I remember the first time we met, we were at your house in Bessemer uh, on yeah. draft day. With it, it was great, Jim, all the community and, and family and and everything. And James was being pulled in fifteen million different directions, Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and everything. But, but what about you opting not to go to the draft that year in 2015 and to be, you know, at I think it was at your grandparents' house, to be yeah. there with your family and, and to have that and and how that might have been different than if you were – I don't even know where the draft was held that year, but New York, New York, whatever. But what about you making that decision and do you have any regrets, so to speak? Yeah, I, 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 it was for my family. It was for, it was for my grandmother. It was actually held at um, – uh, Dr. Hobby's house, one of my mentors. Right, but, right. But it, I had to be there for my grandma. My grandmother couldn't travel, and like I was, like I talked about about five minutes ago, man, I've been playing quarterback my entire life, and these are the people that have been that they, they were with me. I love fans. We thrive on fans, but those fans haven't been with me since I was four years old, strapping up to play football. You know, my family was, my grandmother was, my grandmother was the first person to pay me for some touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. $5 a touchdown. So what? Uh, I owed it, uh, man, oof. 
Granny had you on the merit system, Jameis? Come on now. We had to get some incentives out there, man. We had to we had to make some plays. <laughs> Lily, Lily football is real in Alabama. <laughs> That's true. We had to, <laughs> it is. That's all we got. What was the most you ever made? And, and did you walk home with at least twenty dollars? Thirty five dollars. Thirty five dollars. Oh yeah, I, I didn't put Selma up on on, on a lot of teams. Seven touchdowns. Yeah, thirty five dollars. Uh, every age, probably every age up the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? See, Jim, I, I didn't, I didn't get incentivized, incentivized on my folks on scoring touchdowns because I didn't score nearly as many as Jameis did. Put seven up, put seven up in a game on that. Hey. I put seven up in a season, let alone a game. Man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> hey, so, James, in, in talking about the game, because we're kind of in draft season, when you see all this stuff going on with these young quarterbacks, right? So we think Trevor's going to go number one, but now you see the Niners making the big trade last week to move up to draft a quarterback. We're seeing all this stuff. Jared Goff getting traded for Matthew Stafford. With all of this quarterback movement going on, even with you deciding to stay in New Orleans, what does that say kind of about the NFL, like how desperate teams are? You referenced it to find that franchise quarterback. And what about what's going on leading into this draft in the 2021 season at the quarterback position? Yeah, I think we got some some good young guys coming in. Uh, but at the same time, like those good young guys, they're coming from my spot. Right. So that that that's a ring for me. Like, OK, you coming in. I'm happy that you're training. I'm proud. Like I, I, I hit up Justin Fields the other day, just checking on him, seeing how his training was going. But at the end of the day, I'm pulling for Justin Fields. But in the day, I got to be pulling for myself, too. Because I'm out here competing for a job, I got I got to go get me a spot down there in New Orleans, right? So it's 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 competitiveness. Like that's the thing about the NFL that's different than every other major sport. Uh, is 255 guys are getting drafted for someone else's position. They're coming in to the NFL, not to a D league, not to minor leagues, not to a a low level league. They're coming in to play for the NFL. And when you put a QB in front of that, if you're drafted in the early rounds, you're coming in with an expectation with your play. So not, so now it's not, oh, this guy, you know, every so often, you know, they have a guy that's like, hey, he's coming in to learn behind this guy. But not that often do you have guys that are coming in from college uh, to learn. They're coming in to change their organization. You know, Jameis, I'm, <clears throat> I'm curious. I have a love-hate relationship with the draft. I love that these young men get the opportunity to realize their dreams, but I hate that we create stories out of things that aren't stories. Oh my God. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys get nitpicked over, I, I mean, whatever it is. And I just wonder, truthfully speaking from your standpoint, what is that process like where no matter how successful you've been, all of a sudden people are bringing up things that really right. are not an issue, you know, and some in hopes that you'll fall to them. You know, so individually or personally speaking, what is that process really like for a player? When when anyone talks about, you know, pride and and reputation, they talk about their last name. You know, what do they stand for? They always make it like, I'm going to represent the name on the back of my back of my shirt. Right. But at the end of the day, when you add all this. I, I call it just drama. Right you can damage someone's name, especially with social media. Like if anything could be, if something goes over the bottom of, of a ticker, 
Like it doesn't even have to be true, but it could it could damage your entire outlook or someone's entire outlook on you because they're just putting it across the chick the ticker for two or three hours. But people are really taking it like, oh, he's really that type of person without even meeting the the human being. I, I think sometimes when people look at NFL athletes, they view the the Tom Brady's. The, the the JJ Watts, the Thomas Davis, you know, the people of that, like those are grown men, those older men, but these are merely kids that are coming into this league. These aren't grown men yet. Like you have you have a, a, a few that are, you know, fifth year seniors, but you got a lot of 20 year olds that's that's coming mm-hmm. coming out early who, who who they're young men, but they're not grown men yet. So for the world to hold them to this standard, and I know to whom much is given much is required but for the world to hold them to a standard that they don't even set up to right that they can't even look back in their track record and say man i had a completely clean slate right people need to realize like hey if if you had a video recorded in your face for everything that you do you might have a couple scars and stuff too but man i i hope that we can do away with it i know that it's gonna be tough because everyone's looking for that for that story but I, I just I just pray for these kids, man, that they stay focused on what they're doing. Right. God, God put us there for a reason. We have this opportunity for a reason. We got to focus on that opportunity because all the stuff, all the outside voices, when you allow them to really make a difference on your life. It affects everything else that you do. It, it affects every way that you move. So I would just encourage, you know, Anybody with, with outside voices or any outside drama uh, that's surrounding them, just stay focused on the goal. Uh, stay focused on your process because as a young man, you're still like one of your goals should be, you know, I want to be a great man. Right. I want to be my, my I want to be a kingdom man. And I know that's not going to happen overnight. Like I have to do things. I have to strive to do things that sometimes I don't want to do every single day so that I could become that man that I want to be. You brought up Justin Fields, and I feel like he's getting some of that now, where all of a sudden, regardless of the success that he has had, people are trying to tear him down a little bit in terms of either his game or something that they don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And we see this all the time. I'm wondering your conversations with him. What are those like and how is he feeling? Yeah, my, 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 my main focus when I'm when I'm speaking with him, and it's not like I talk to him every day, right? I just checked in for him uh, occasionally. But my main focus is, man, what is he doing to to help him be the best quarterback he can be? Like one of my questions, is like, hey, are you getting mental work as well as physical work? Because yeah, you're a quarterback, but do are you studying plays, right? Are you going over concepts with your quarterback coach? Are you working on this transition that's going to come when you're in the NFL? Because right now in this in this like dead period. You know, teams that bring you in for certain interviews and different things like that, they put you on the board. But it's different when you're on the board and then you got to take that board to the field and then execute it on that same day. Right. And now with the virtual stuff, virtual stuff, sometimes you're not even now they're taking away that opportunity for you to go in, learn the scheme and go and execute the scheme. Because right now you're just learning like you don't even have your guys that's around you to go out there on the field and work with them. So uh, the main thing I, 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 I push to him is making sure that he's getting just as much mental work 
as he is physical because he's he's talented. He's gifted with a lot of unique abilities. But I'm like I I've had to learn. Like even last year, I thought, man, you know, I'm I'm a student of the game. You know, I stay on top of my situational football. I'm making sure that I'm I'm I'm, I'm picking out tendencies that the defense is doing. But even to a higher level, we have to be ready for the play before the play even happens. We have to be mentally prepared before anything is ever shown to us. And I'm just sharing with with with, uh, with Justin, like, man, hey, make sure you get in that mental prep too. Jameis, because he walked in these shoes, though, it does seem, especially when it comes to draft time, when it comes to black quarterbacks, and it may be completely inadvertent with the color of their skin, they seem to be torn down more so than white quarterbacks. We hear all oh, Justin Fields. He wasn't consistent. Trey Lance, he didn't play that many games. He didn't play against that top, top level competition. But we have not heard those things about some of the white quarterbacks who are at the top of the draft. And, you know, as someone who's been in their shoes, do you say that to them specifically? Like, hey, as a black quarterback, you're going to hear some things or people are going to come at you and nitpick over you a little bit different than they do with white quarterbacks. Well, no, I, I don't I don't even put that in there in their in their mind, right? I think when you when you grow up a black quarterback, it's already understood that you right. gotta be three times, four times better uh than our counterparts, period. Right? Uh I, I remember them making a story about my 40 time. Like just because I'm a black quarterback and I run a slow 40 time, I still can throw better <laughs> than any of these boys out here on the field. Right. When when have we talked about 40 times with quarterbacks? Like, is that is that is that a new thing? Like, is is Tom Brady run when did Tom Brady start running a, a sub four four? Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to see when did this become a thing, but you gotta know, and I and I say this to whom much is given, much is required. You know, Steve, I grew up in an era in an era where we had Aaron Brooks down south before Drew Brees came. We had Steve McNair in Tennessee. We had Byron Leftwich in Jacksonville. We had Michael Vick in Atlanta, right? That's four quarterbacks. We had Dante Culpepper late in his career in Miami. That's five quarterbacks in my – five African-American quarterbacks in my region. So I knew as a quarterback growing up, like, if they got there, I know I can get there, right? But I knew that it it took an extra – it took them an extra element for them to be able to, to you know, it took Byron Leftwich having that broke leg for him to be able to get thrown into, you know, the top 10 of his draft. Like, this man was putting up crazy numbers, but I remember as a kid, ain't nobody started talking about Byron Leftwich until the Marshall game when he broke his leg. Like, they show how courageous he was then. And he actually, who was, he was against, uh, what's his name? Went to, he went to uh, against David Gerard at uh, ECU. Right. Like, they went against each other. Like, man, like, I saw that growing up, and that's something that you always hear. I knew that because I played baseball, and I hear that all the time. I knew that if I was going to be a baseball player, that I had to be ten times better than the next than the next position or the the next male or whatever. But man, I don't even put this in these kids' head, man, because it's understood, right? When I'm at my camps and I have young black quarterbacks, I, I I'm going to outwork them. I'm going to overwork them because I know what it takes to get there. I know it's going to take that elite mental state as well as that physical state because we always have the speed. We always have the arm strength. We got to continue to work on how we beating these people with our minds because they're trying to find a way to beat us with, with, they, with, with their minds. 
I mean, and, and it's great to hear, you know, because Jim and I are of a certain era where there weren't five black quarterbacks in a certain region of the country. Right. There were. I mean, look, I, I grew up. Was it Vince Evans was a black quarterback for the Bears? James Harris was a black quarterback Shaq. for the Rams. You know, Shaq Harris and Joe Gilliam had a cup of coffee as a starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and so it's it's just awesome to hear you. Should, you at least say you had role models, right? Everything you still have to experience. Martin Briscoe. Yeah. Yeah, Mar- I'm not that old. But Jameis knows the history, right, Doug? I mean, but Jameis knows it, and, yeah. and, and I love that. But look, we got to get ready to to button these things up. So, James, it just it, it's been so interesting hearing you know your your development and your approach, and again that decision, you know, the decision based things so the results based thing was was is so great to hear. What is your mentality knowing that? It's going to be the conversation again. You going into the season isn't Jameis Winston, the Saints quarterback. Jameis Winston competing to be mm-hmm. the Saints quarterback. Yeah. I think that's that's part of the game, the, the competitiveness part, period. Um, every year I go in uh, knowing that I have to outcompete every other person on the team because I am the quarterback. Um, now I think it's going to make – Honestly, I really believe it's going to make Taysom and I better. Uh, when I, I, I was in the same situation in, in high school, my grade year, I was uh, going against Wayne Carroll. Uh, I know he'll love that. But um, it made us better. Um, I, I, I know how Taysom is as a quarterback. I know how I am as a quarterback. But I believe us going against each other, well, I don't know how to, uh, you know, how they're going to do the reps and stuff like that. You know, I, I just know I, I, I'm ready to play. And I know it's going to push us both to an elite level. And you saw with Drew and Taysom how um, how tough it made teams to plan for the Saints when you had another quarterback that was able uh, to do the things that Taysom Taysom does. But when we talk about when we talk about the competitiveness part, Steve, like it's just ball. Like that's that's how my mentality is. I'm just focused on ball and how I'm going to get this offense how I'm going to master this offense, and how are we going to win games. Like, that. that is it. Um, the, was, there, the, the, was there ever any consideration to doing a multi-year, or was this always going to be a one-year? Uh, I just want I, – I really just wanted a, a one-year. Uh, I, I wanted to see uh, if a team would just give me an opportunity to show what I can do, and then we'll think – because, man, like, I've been in this league. Like, it's nothing like – and I'm so proud of that. It's nothing like when the team say, hey, man, we're going to commit to you. Right? Here, here you go. Like, we believe in you. Let's give you four years. Let's give you this extension. Because now that's when you're together. That's when it appears to be you're together. They're making a commitment to you. Right? And that's where trust – that's where relationships are really created. Right? Because that's now you're like, okay, you believe in me? Okay, I got you. Right. So um, I, I just wanted one year, man, to show to show that uh, <clears throat> that I can be an elite quarterback, uh, that I will protect the football and uh, and that I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm a CEO, man. I'm, I'm ready to lead a lead a team, lead, ready to lead a, a organization and, and lead a community uh, to happiness, really. And then get a chance to cash in right when these TV deals kick in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell you. I feel it. Hey, man. That, that, that's, that's something, man. Play football for 20 years and then cash in and just talk about football. 
for the <laughs> remainder of your career. So. There you go. Hey, well, James, man, we, we want to wish you the best of luck. And we really appreciate you taking the time. And remember, you said you're going to make time for us. You know, you got a busy schedule. So we're going to circle back during the season to holler at you again. All right. Hey, man, you know, I'm going to be there for y'all. Um, I'm so I'm so glad that I'm able to be a part of the process that you guys have in two African-American brothers uh, running y'all podcast and dominating years of experience in this sports world, in the in the game that I love, in this NFL business. So uh, absolutely, man, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part uh, of what you guys got going on. So I appreciate y'all. Make sure send me one of them Hustle and Flow t-shirts, man. See, there we he, go. It's coming your way. Coming your way. He's our Mark Ingram to Lamar Jackson, man. He's that hype, man. I feel you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> man, hey, we gotta we gotta hype each other up, man. We can't be tearing each other down. We Facts. gotta lift each other up. Amen. Amen. Facts. Facts. Well, James, man, again, good luck to you and, and appreciate you one more time. Steve, just such an interesting guy. And from my standpoint, um, from a football standpoint, I believe this is this is the best marriage Jameis Winston could have in terms of a coach and a play caller and a play designer, because Sean Payton has shown a willingness and an ability to adjust his play design and his play calls to the talent of his quarterback, the skill set of his quarterback. We saw him do it with Teddy Bridgewater. We saw him do it with Taysom Hill. We saw both those players have success when Sean did that. And that's why I'm fascinated to see how this marriage between Jameis and Sean is going to work. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I know there's, that, that the Saints have said this is an open competition between Taysom and Jameis. But I firmly believe that Jameis is the guy who ultimately is going to be the starter. So I'm expecting Jameis to win it. I'm expecting a beautiful marriage between Jameis and Sean. And I'm fascinated to see what those numbers uh, are going to look like. Yeah, because the one thing you know we heard even from Sean on the podcast from some of his teammates, Jameis has got the boom in the arm, right? He he's got an explosiveness in his arm that Taysom Hill and Drew don't have, and not just on the deep ball, but just on any ball. That ball can get there. So I think for Sean to have a quarterback now who's got that rocket arm, who can do some of the things, and if Jameis can contain the risk element that he was talking about himself right there they could have something really different and really special with some of the things sean likes to do with his offense changing personnel every play and things like that so it's going to be very fascinating just to see how this goes because if Jameis doesn't get it we know he's going to be the career backup but if he does get it he's going to be hot on the market for a lot of other teams even though the saints whose salary cap situation will be better than it was this year will have an opportunity to sign him long term let me say this, though, Steve. I, I still find it fascinating that a guy could throw for 5,100 yards and 33 touchdowns, even with the interceptions, and have only one team really make him a legitimate offer, even if it's a low-ball offer like the Saints did. I look at a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right, who puts up these yards and touchdowns sometimes, but also has a turnover history, and there's always one team every year that's willing to give whatever it has to give to have him come in and be the starting quarterback for that, that given season. Why isn't Jameis afforded that same thing? It, it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit, to be honest with you. We're talking, when we say 5,100 yards, we're not talking 3,000 yards or 4,000. We're 5,100, you know? That's where you lead the league. 
that's that's crazy to me, man. That that there were only three teams and only one made a legitimate offer. Right. You know, and even if it was a low money offer, crazy. That's just it's it's so much so much of the perception, so much is the grapevine conversation among these NFL front offices, and that's a shame. I mean, you look at even the contracts. I mean, Fitz, and to his credit, you know, he's getting ten million dollars this year to be up in Washington. Cam Newton signed a backup quarterback contract, you know, to, to go back to New England. So it's it's uh you know it's interesting to see how these dynamics go and where where teams' heads are when it comes to this. Jim, I don't want to let it slide this week, too, since we are coming up on this time of year that this we we are just more than well, this week, the trial, the second and third degree murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin is taking place. Um, and, you know, first off, I don't want anybody of, of our journalistic pedigree to ever refer to this as a George Floyd murder trial. No, George Floyd has been murdered. This is a Derek Chauvin murder trial. So let's make sure to always keep this in fact. But that was also the straw seemingly that, that you know, got into people's consciousness and got these athletes and got these leagues and got a lot of people on the streets now we have to see if there's going to be change, Jim. Because even if he's convicted on the most serious charge, he's only going to serve between 10 and 15 years. Okay. And, and it sucks, though, that we have to say that, that's, the, that's the justice we have to deal with. Right? If he gets this, right, if a jury, if they can find a jury to convict a police officer, um, that he's going to get 15 years for the murder of a black man that we all witnessed on tape that didn't have to happen. And that we have to say, well, you know, we have to we have to accept what we have to accept because that's the way it's written. It, it's kind of tough. But I, I just can't in this moment not mention that the Derek Chauvin murder trial uh, started this week in Minneapolis. And and that hopefully everyone's going to be paying as much attention to this as they did as the, 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 to the horrific murder of George Floyd. You know, Steve, I'd like to be confident that there's going to be justice, but I simply can't be confident. I'm not. I'm not. And and we can go back to the early 90s with Rodney King. And when you see a video like that, um, where, in my opinion, there simply is no justification for it and officers can walk. I'd like to be confident that there'll be justice here, but um, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not either. Well, you know, and again, that would that would not be good. That would not be good. But, you know, Jim, I think right now until we see it, we see it. Well, on that note, man, why don't you go ahead and bring us home? Yeah, we thank you for listening to the podcast. We thank you for subscribing. As always, continue to leave us your comments, your suggestions, who you want to hear from, what you want to hear. And that way we can continue to give you more of what you're fucking for. That's right, Jim. And again, we want to thank Jameis Winston for coming on and just for a great interview today. Folks, we're going to be bringing you a little bit later on, Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback. Since we're talking about quarterbacks so much, you got some great insight on that. So listen up for that. But for Jim Trotter, I am Steve Weiss. The Hot and Flow podcast are brought to you by Intuit, the proud maker of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. For our producer on the ones and twos, Thomas Warren, we are the HU Mob. And we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.